0: Mike, Mike, and Hunter.
1: Welcome back. Welcome once again to another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar, an Oscar race checkpoint for you as the episodes are becoming more fast and furious as it seems to be we're actually in the throes of this very serious Oscars run up here. Uh, It is the middle of November. It's actually,
0: God, it's almost the end of November at this point, Mike. I can't believe that. I am your co-host, Mike One. This is co-host also Mike. And the field is becoming clearer, I would say. This is exciting that we're getting big trailers for the remaining Oscar slate. We're getting some first reactions for those movies. That's where we're going to start today. And then we're able to weigh in ourselves on some mysteries of the season, like Netflix movies, Tick, Tick, Boom, etc. So I think, uh, I think this is a loaded checkpoint. We, we don't always have them, but we got, uh, we got those sandwiching actual nominations and actual winners from award shows it's uh it's truly an orc yeah that's
1: that's a good way to put it and it is chock full so let's dive right into it let's start off with those four big trailers and the first of those four is the last look at being the ricardos michael
0: yeah you totally called this one and i rarely like to give you any credit whatsoever because (laughs) you just like you talk about parades i am so great I am so great. A one-man pots and pans band on the corner with like a spoon, and you got like the metal vest, and you just you know banging on your own chest. There, usually that's you. That's my mental (laughs) image of you. Anyway, me in
1: your head. Good. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Hamboning. I think that's what it's called. Hamboning. You're a hamboner. Anyway, you you called this. You said that the air was ripe. For a reversal, that everybody's expectations were low for being the Ricardos. They were down mm. on Nicole Kidman's ability to handle Lucille Ball. Nobody believed it. Pundits, most of all, mm. Michael. And here we have so many pundits now weighing in on being the Ricardos like it is not only legitimate nominee but a contender yeah. for many awards yeah coming from scott
1: feinberg as uh, some people the the punditry had early access to this uh scott said november 14th sorkin's truly in a league of his own being the ricardo's maybe a little too inside baseball for some but i ate it up the speedy dialogue the quick wit and yes the walk and talks and the whole cast was great shame on me for doubting kidman could nail lucy big standing ovation uh like you said, Mike, I think the lesson here, as it usually is with us, because we have egos that are just giant, just listen to us. Just listen to MMO, because I appreciate, well, no. in all seriousness, like I appreciate you giving me props, but you raised the concerns that the punditry had over a year ago at this point. Like, you were asking the questions and casting doubt the same way that it took the punditry to do so about a year later, or at least months after the fact, and then... Once we get the movie, you're right. I mean, I, I didn't understand where the concerning was coming from, but it's here, and people are saying that it's a SAGS player, and it's an Oscars player, and it's something that could be a contender in multiple categories, and yada,
0: yada, yada. We're steps ahead of the aggregators. That's I'm go. proud of us for that reason. Then I'm proud of us for predicting the predictions, and then yeah. I'm proud of us for... Going against those predictions when, the, when that time comes. And we've we've done all of these things in the last week. Never mind the last <laughs> six months. But, okay, let's talk about the trailer. I think we get the story crystallized here. And, and go read Sasha Stone's article on Awards Daily. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. She wrote, like, a novel on the thematics of... Uh, in play here but we do have accusations of communism we do have blacklist possibilities in this story for lucille ball and there's infidelity on the side of javier bardem's character perhaps the, the marriage is on the rocks it's mm. all came, coming to a head on set where she's having trouble you know acting out certain takes and And this just feels like the kind of conflict tornado that Aaron Sorkin's scripts are written for and... That's why they're written, because he loves these huge, you know, perfect storms of conflict on all sides.
1: Yeah, this is like the West Wing Lucille Ball edition is what the kind of like the (laughs) feeling that I got from this trailer. And man, what a wonderful score too! that updated take on the I Love Lucy theme song that brings like this gravitas and the seriousness throughout it. This is without question, one of my most anticipated movies still. Uh, And again, if it does live up to Nicole Kidman being in that best actress kind of air, then kidman versus stewart and lucille ball versus princess die that's
0: the lead actress race that we all deserve anyway so that's great it's exciting lead actresses is, is coming together with some heavy hitters mm-hmm. and uh we're going to talk about lead actor coming up uh right now with uh, don't look up this is this is a, a trailer that kind of crystallize something else for me and that's leonardo dicaprio's performance is going to be terrific michael yeah we've already seen his mirror stuff in the first teaser here he's screaming his eyes are watering on a morning show who does that <laughs> when somebody else is speaking he just gets a reaction shot and he's got glazed eyes uh in front of Kate blanchett tyler perry and of course jennifer lawrence there will we'll weigh in on will smith Uh, and King Richard in in the next episode. But my God, are we shaping up for an all-time field and lead actor? Uh, We got some late breakers like Mahershala Ali, Mm. Bradley Cooper, Peter Dinklage. Andrew Garfield just threw his hat in the ring this past week, and we'll discuss his performance at the end of this episode. But we got Will Smith. We got Benedict Cumberbatch. We got Denzel Washington. We got Joaquin Phoenix, and we got Leonardo DiCaprio. The names are huge in this category as much as this
1: category has felt like everyone's just waiting for Will Smith to be crowned and coronated it's like an inevitable thing i i'm hoping that we get more of a serious competition even though obviously we haven't seen king richard yet and by all accounts he is just as great as everyone expects him to be in that role but yeah i mean i can't wait for this either and you said last orc we did i think it was the house of gucci trailer which which trailer did you say was one of the best of
0: the year Oh, I don't remember. I think it was Power of the Dog. I think. Oh, it was, I think you're yeah.
1: right. I, okay. It was Power. And, and, and as you felt about this, I think I, I felt about that trailer, I should say. I think that's how I feel about this Don't Look Up trailer. i I, this Netflix, is
0: Netflix, man. Catnip. Yep.
1: I mean, this is beautiful. <laughs> this world ending thing, but everyone in power is just too stupid or too naive or too stubborn to know the difference. And Leo is like screaming. I don't know how he does this. You could see his skin crawl in some of these scenes, yeah. but he doesn't say a word. Like that scene where he's Ariana Grande is like oh you have a big comet coming i have a shooting star tattoo on my back
0: <laughs> his reaction just was, looks at him oh my god they're next level like he'll just crinkle his face mm-hmm. and he's killing me and and jonah hill by the way so yeah. funny in this trailer i was a little suspect after the first trailer i was like oh wait a minute is this a jared leto's thing where he's mm-hmm. acting in a different movie or everybody's criticisms of that in the house of goosey that's next week folks but yeah i'm wondering if jonah hill really fits in this one and then he's perfectly tone toned in this film yeah. with uh, in this trailer anyway just killing me with that joke at this i mean i can't believe we're all gonna be rich it's so bad <laughs> or whatever you said there that was hilarious when and then he has the joke at the, the end, market, end yeah. with the bag so a couple
1: other uh, professionals weighing in here. Jazz Tangay, our buddy, says Meryl Streep, Jennifer Lawrence, and Leo DiCaprio walking into the Oscars race. Leo, superbly playing against type that is landing him that nom. Voters will lap this film up. It's Adam McKay doing what he does best, knocking the satire out of the park. Scott Manzel said Don't Look Up is a brilliant political satire, and Adam McKay is at his best. Easily the funniest film I've seen all year. Leo, Jennifer Lawrence, and Mark Rylance are all freaking great in this. Oh, and Ariana Grande's Just Look Up needs to be nominated. I have two takeaways From this in general. The first of which is the reception of the film specifically. There was a divide uh, Mm -hmm. between critics and people who do this professionally and daily for a living and kind of just film fans. And the just film fans I saw more than one, more than a couple, I would say, say, wow, Adam McKay is too political in this. It took away from the viewing experience. And I tweeted my reaction to that. I was like, well, yeah. But, like, have you not seen Adam McKay's work ever? That's right. what he does. Like, he does the satire, political commentary stuff. So I was a little surprised to see so many people having that kind of critique on it. But, again, those were from mostly film fans, not necessarily the professionals. I have not seen a professional speak ill
0: about this movie. That's good to hear. Uh, again, my issue with Adam McKay is that sometimes he gets up on a soapbox there. That was my issue sure. with Vice. And right. it's, not, it's not just that... You you can cover politics, but if you just call somebody an asshole for two hours, you know that what does that? That's do? where you that and do? I differ, sir. What does that do for the conversation? I mean, you could call him an asshole in a hundred different ways, which well, is what he did to Dick Cheney.
1: I, I agree; it doesn't it doesn't progress the conversation. But there is an aspect of catharticism to it. But yes, it is polarizing. Great, but you're
0: preaching to the, to the yeah, choir. You're right. you're I mean, absolutely. I could be liberal and if you call right. a Republican, you know, it, you call him names for two hours. Yep. That doesn't help. I, I I agree. But again, I'm more evil than you are. Uh, the well, second... you can enjoy it. I'm just saying it doesn't. <laughs> no, you're right. That, I, I'm I agree politics. with you. That's I agree. Just...
1: You're absolutely right. You're yeah.
0: absolutely right. So I don't know. He did that before. So if he does that again, maybe I side with the uh, If the it's fans, Leo doing it instead of Christian
1: is... Bale, you'll be more forgiving is what you're saying?
0: <laughs> no, I'm just worried. I'm worried that, that he's doing that again. Maybe not. Maybe, he, maybe, and maybe we don't give a shit right now. Maybe we're all yeah. just like, yeah, they're maybe. assholes.
1: It's a good point. <laughs> Um the second takeaway is something Scott Manzel brought up and Clayton Davis brought it up as well. Ariana Grande with this song, I mean original song should be over. There should be one slot for original song left right now because the Academy would be idiots. I'm going to keep yelling about this until it happens. (laughs) Billie Eilish, Jay-Z, Beyonce, and now Ariana Grande, those should be four nominees right now for Original Song, and they should be working on how to give them everything they want to make sure those four performers show up and play live on the Academy stage on Oscar Sunday. Like That should be in the works this second, because if the Academy cares about ratings, which like we know they are the only body left that actually truly does on a day-to-day basis... That guarantees you ratings if you have those four super duper A-list headliners playing.
0: Yeah, but an instrumental about a issue movie will, of course, be nominated. Of course, uh, of course, and, and spoil this great. <laughs> of course it will. You <laughs> know they're, that they're gonna it this. happens.
1: Yeah, they're gonna bundle this. They, of course, they will. You're absolutely right. But my God, this this like writes itself as far as the live
0: performance should go for Oscar Sunday. I think. Well, a lot of races being uh, signified thus far in this episode. Let's move on uh, to what could be a movie that crashes a bunch of categories, Mm. and that's Nightmare Alley from Guillermo del Toro. So, Mike, they're really hiding the ball on the monster (laughs) effing thing here. I I hope Mm. we don't Mm -hmm. uh, see this movie together because either way, I'm a loser (laughs) in this regard because for the entire film, you're just going to annoy me. With a hair, hair they go. Yep, They're going to have sex. That yep. Peter Griffin voice of yours during the movie, very loud. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh, is the beast in there? Is it a beast <laughs> or a man, Mike? Going to have sex with it. Uh, and then the movie will end, and you'll be yep. like, no beast sex. Right. F. Right. Or, correct. or yep. even worse, Guillermo del Toro. <laughs> Proves to be truly uh, quite the pervert. And Uh he actually writes a beast that has sex with (laughs) Bradley Cooper. And then you're proven right. I am so great. (laughs) And then I have to deal with that. So either way, lose-lose scenario for me. I don't know how you got me into this.
1: Well, let me tell you something, Mike. As we sit here today and record (laughs) this episode, we are exactly 28 days, exactly four weeks away from Bradley Cooper just laying all sorts of pipe <laughs> on that abomination and affront to what? both God and man. It's and a... I
0: am ready for it, okay? Mm. <laughs> this trailer finally moves towards the 1940s version of Con Man and Grifter versus mm-hmm. Powerful People and, you know, Carney Con artist gone, you know, mainstream kind of storyline that is this original movie however would would it shock me if you're right at the end of the day and that guillermo del turro just throws in
1: well, more there's more there's of a that. hint
0: there's a hint in that
1: last shot of bradley cooper stumbling down that dark alley maybe he's gotten shot or a bullet wound or something but like he's growling he's grifting he might turn into the he, beast that he ends up fuck. it could just be masturbation
0: it's, <laughs> uh, it's not a spoiler he did <laughs> he doesn't f a, a a beast in in the original 1940 whatever version uh again that Times i don't change Mike. i can't Times believe i have change. to say this but yeah i mean Guillermo del Toro might write it differently. He might adapt it differently <laughs> based on his earlier CV. I like this trailer, though. I really thought it was, again, another blended blended really well. The cinematography is gorgeous. In particular, I think the production design of Nightmare Alley, the costumes, mm. you're getting a period piece uh, around the Great Depression here. It looks real. Plus, he get to play at a Guillermo del Toro carnival in terms of the visuals yep. for the first half of the film. That is going to get everybody involved, nominated most likely. So this Nightmare Alley is going to crash some categories, no matter what. I don't think, I don't think he can really screw up this story unless a certain scene that you want is in here. I, I, I,
1: I is it me or do you like? I feel like there's no momentum for this movie right now in terms of awards. Like, it feels like, and I, I have nothing concrete to back this up with other than, you know, I'm, I'm an idiot that just eats up everything that everyone puts out on Twitter and articles and otherwise. But, like, I feel like everyone went from the magnet that he expected House of Gucci to be, and when that one revealed itself to be maybe less of an awards player than everyone expected, the focus then shifted directly to Don't Look Up or Licorice Pizza. I, I don't really feel like there's been this fervor for this movie. Yet. And it could be because it's not, you know, there hasn't been a screening yet and they're waiting for it to come out. I don't know. But I wonder if that kind of mellow expectation is going to be held against it or if this movie is going to be so good that it can, that the low expectations could actually help it in terms of like something like Phantom Thread, where it just comes out, it's that good. It broke that late in the season. So it ends up getting all these
0: noms that nobody expected it to. Bradley Cooper's role is a juicy one. Again, mm-hmm. I'm just basing this on the 1940s, or whatever right. version that was. Like that is a that is quite the role. We have multiple supporting actresses that could just burst onto the scene. Sure. We talked about both supporting categories being wide open,
1: mm-hmm. and,
0: and anybody could could dive in there. Whether that's Willem Dafoe or Richard Jenkins on the guy's side, and on the on the female side of it, Rooney Mara and Tony Collette. So, I'm looking out for those. Cape Blanchett, too. Well, Cape Blanchett, is she a lead actress in this? Is she support? If she's a lead actress who kind of category frauds into the supporting category, then my God, could she be a contender? But based on what we've seen here and based on what we know for the original film, uh, she's a major antagonist Mm. uh, to Bradley Cooper. So, if those two are basically in a battle of wits this is quite, you know, This there's a lot of subtext to be played there. So, and Guillermo del Toro will probably do an excellent job based on, again, recent history. So, yeah, this could be something that crashes a lot of categories. Now, can Bradley Cooper crash Best Actor? I don't know. That might be so crowded. Uh, and it, maybe people are not thinking it's his time. Maybe they're against the way he campaigned for A Star Is Born still. Mm-hmm. And they hold that against them. I don't know. Maybe, Maybe the fact that he's got... A supporting performance in Licorice Pizza, even though people say it's quality, it's not a lot, it's only a couple scenes, but still, maybe they're like, alright, we'll nominate him for that, or, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how this film is going to play at the end of the day, is there the imperative for Nightmare Alley, because Guillermo del Toro just right. won for The Shape of Water, we talked about that throughout, I mean, those, those narratives do matter. So. That's what I don't want to happen with Leo again, too. If his performance
1: is that good, I don't want, you know, ah, well, he just won for the Revenant, so here, Will Smith, you know. Uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff that we just saw that happen with Leo against Joaquin Phoenix. So exactly. uh, a lot of stuff that uh, that remains to be seen and will play itself out. But uh, we go from those three legitimate multi-category above-the-line contenders to uh, kind of the next blockbuster and maybe the last huge popcorn movie blockbuster, certainly the last Marvel movie we'll get in 2021 that could contend in a couple below-the-line categories. Spider-Man No Way Home, and it's been like this huge anticipated trailer. There's a lot of stuff that was revealed, a lot of flash flashing Lights and big action pieces and a lot of intrigue and storyline. And Mike, your reaction to all of this
0: was? Yeah. <laughs> no, I I, 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 I'm messing with people. I enjoyed this trailer, but the problem is the hype right now with Spider-Man No Way Home. It's too big. They had a title mm-hmm. reveal with a web on a on a chalkboard that people were going insane <laughs> over. That was like eight months ago, and now we got this, you know, trailer release event where mm-hmm. everybody I know. Including family and friends are are counting down the minutes to eight. <laughs> yeah. And coach, your cat text, it texts your comes, It's gonna drop any minute. I mean, I, I didn't know what you were telling. Like, what does that mean? You want to just go live? Or I didn't know what you were telling me. I was like, I'm watching. Or I was watching the Tammy Faye at that moment. I was like, I'm watching Tammy Faye. Leave me alone. But I mean, people are crazy about this, and I wonder for somebody as crazy as you, just in general, were were you let down by this trailer? Were you? Did it give you what you thought? What you wanted? There's so much
1: going on in this trailer, which I think there has, I have no, well, all right, let me gather myself. (laughs) We haven't seen anything like this in history. Like they need to set up so much and tie up so many loose ends with this movie and yet have it be packaged well enough where they can hand it off to Sony, divest themselves, Marvel, completely of the Spider-Man property leave it in good enough shape where Sony can pick up the ball and run with it. And yet still somehow not totally abandon the idea that they may be able to use Spider-Man in the future for themselves and come to a new deal in the future with Sony whenever they need to. And I think they're doing it in a genius way with this, like, you know, opening the shift in time quantum verse type thing and melding all of these it, it, on so many levels. We've never seen something like what is being attempted in this movie. And I agree with you that it is, maybe too big i mean it, it may not be too big to fail it could be a colossal failure but it's just so intriguing and you got to give marvel the benefit of the doubt because they've overcome every doubt thus far
0: it's major points for ambition it is continuing the storylines from uh far from home it is continuing this you know peter parker tom holland peter parker zendaya storyline that I'm, I'm i'm excited to see come to a at least a a certain you know, narrative fixture yeah. point kind of deal, even if it doesn't come to a conclusion, and Sony's going to do another three, six, I don't know, nine right. movies with it, and that would be their prerogative here. But I think the points for ambition are or something you, that you and I love to give out and sure. th- we have to give it out for this because this is quite the plot line this is a faustian bargain this is the the premise of the fable that we saw in brave pixar's brave for christ's sake yeah. where you where you go to the sorcerer or the witch or the you know the mystic and you Ask them to do their worst and be careful what you wish for. It's that story that's going to spiral out of control here. So you have these dimensional villains being brought back in like Alfred Molina's Doc Ock. And you have to register and you have to reckon with where we left off with them, even though we're going back further back in their timelines. But we have a storyline that is going to pick up from where they left off. Even you know, Crazy. B- before their storylines, well, I would say we're gonna begin where they were before their storylines concluded. So again, I'm really trying hard not to spoil anything anywhere. What I think is fascinating is that this trailer, it it, it works up the Spider-Man versus Doctor Strange angle, like they're gonna mm-hmm. disagree, mm-hmm. and I love that. I love that in every single one of these Marvel movies that actually does it, whether that's the First Avengers and they're all. Beating each other up before they turn on the aliens, or whether that's civil war, something like yeah. Captain America: Civil War, that I thought was brilliantly done. So if this is Spider Man versus Doctor Strange, I'm all in, and I think that is incredible writing if they can pull it off.
1: And it does what any good Marvel trailer should do, or any good trailer in general should do. I mean, you're left with a zillion question, like. Does Doc Ock have Iron Man powers on his tentacles? Why are they red and gold like that? Why is somebody else playing the Sandman character and not Thomas Aiden Church? Where did Lizard come from? As he was never really introduced fully in Sam Raimi's trilogy, is that shot of Zendaya falling, which is clearly a callback to both Kirsten Dunst and Emma Stone falling in those previous Spider-Man iterations, is that just an Easter egg and an homage, or does that signify that both those former Parker leading ladies are going to love interests are going to make an appearance in this one too? And like the well, you're are... on
0: that train, but everybody else is seemingly on the train that Andrew Garfield is lying, and he said multiple times he's not in the movie. Oh wow, well, he's he, actually yeah. going to show up, and good for Andrew Garfield for keeping up the facade,
1: but I mean, I think it's pretty much expected, if, if not outright known, that both Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are showing... Like, Sony, if you, if you watch that, that trailer, Sony or Marvel clearly edited out somebody punching Lizard in that big shot. Like, there's somebody punching Lizard. Lizard reacts as if he's gotten hit in the face when there's that scene of Tom Holland swinging into them. And so something, I mean, those guys are going to be in this movie at some point. So I wonder if the leading ladies making an appearance as well. My biggest question for many of this, though, which has nothing to do with anything other than my own insanity, how the fuck old is Zendaya? And why can she play anything, believably, from 16 to, like,
0: 45? Is she just the greatest thespian in the history of the world? She's pretty great. She's, she's amazing. And she's got this heft, and she's got this angle on this, yes. uh, the Mary uh, was it, Mary Jane? Mary, Jane, Mary Jane, yeah. Jane character, the MJ. I I loved her performance in the first two, and uh, I'm fascinated where she's gonna take it. She's getting a lot more agency. She's getting a lot more jobs to do. Scooby Doo, that shit, indeed. I'm in. <laughs> I'm totally in. And then then yeah. makes an appearance, right, Mike. Well, you're jumping out the window on this one, aren't you? You He's are just, make an appearance. You he? are it you're jumping out the window naked on this movie. You are hyped.
1: <laughs> I am. I am. And that's I like you're absolutely right. It's it's way too big right now. And if they land it, my God.
0: I'm just like afraid. Like I am the somewhat even keeled person. Irrational. I maybe, perhaps. But I <laughs> also had my heart broken before. So I don't know. Like I I I, I kinda stay level on this i'll be like i'll watch my documentary feature 48th contender instead of you know tuning in to the trailer release event and yeah i mean you're you're just like oh my god t minus two minutes one minute Yeah, i'm I'm a hypocrite because i I say all this out of one
1: side of my mouth and then the other side of my mouth i'm like why are people lining up to go see a trailer in person
0: i like this is ridiculous but
1: if it was around me
0: i probably would too People are hyped. So, all right, we got that to look forward to. That'll be the 17th, I believe of December, where where Spider-Man No Way Home drops. So a good mix of trailers there. Let's get into the meat of this episode, which is awards news, Michael. We'll start with the Hollywood
1: Music in Media Award winners, the HMMAs. We previewed the nominees uh, last ORC. Let's talk about original score to start. Last year, we had three of the five Oscar original score noms first win at the HMMAs, and all five of those Oscar noms were also nominated here first. The last three winners of the
0: score category also first one at the hmmas so yeah who won this year we have a surprise in my book the feature film winner at least before the trailer is nicholas bertel's score for don't look up hmm. so that is a big news because yeah. nicholas bertel don't look up beat out king richard nightmare alley james bond Stillwater French Dispatch last duel and most surprisingly perhaps the power of the dog from Johnny Greenwood Michael so that's a big win for Bratell sure we have the Adams family two winning animated that was won by Soul last year John Batiste eventually won the Oscar for that we have horror being won for A Quiet Place Part Two Julia won best documentary score come on come on best indie film score and then perhaps. More telling on the Punditry Top 10, Top 5 lists. We have Best Sci-Fi Score going to Hans Zimmer uh, of Dune. And Best International Score going to Alberto Iglesias of Parallel Mothers. Mm, all right, so a lot of
1: intrigue there. Let's see how that shakes up with what the top pundits are saying. Variety's award circuit will go to Clayton Davis's Top 5. His top original score is still Spencer by Johnny Greenwood, which, as we mentioned when talking about the HMMA noms, spencer wasn't nominated was it eligible we're not quite sure but mm-hmm. uh, as far as clayton davis's other top five he has dune at number two power of the dog three don't look up as number four and he does have parallel mothers at his number five spot uh, next best picture has dune one spencer two power of the dog three french dispatch four and nightmare alley
0: rounding out its top five so hmmas they do score they do song and i think it's fairly telling uh who won the best original song categories this year the feature film winner was billy eilish no time to die she's you gonna should... win the oscar she's got it's gonna happen she's got that snl date where yep. she's starring and doing the music for for snl early december there michael i, b- I believe it was early december right i think it's the 11th i want to say cool so we have Billie Eilish beating out Beyonce, Dinklage, Jay-Z, Jennifer Hudson, Ariana Grande, Eddie Vedder from King Richard, Cyrano, The Harder They Fall, Respect, Don't Look Up, and Flag Day, respectively. Uh, But we got some big, well, we got some interesting winners, and then we got another big winner, I I think, at the end that gives some momentum for an Oscars darling of yours and mine. Imagine if it's the
1: original song lineup and they do have Ariana Grande, Eilish, Jay-Z, and Beyonce, and then the fifth is
0: filled by Adam Levine singing a song from Paw Patrol. <laughs> Well, Colby Mack will be happy, the The girl dad who loved that movie <laughs> at his review, but yeah.
1: Uh, it was Good Mood, uh, the song from Paw Patrol, performed by Adam Levine, that one animated film original song. Uh, the documentary film song went to Rebel Heart's Secret Sister by Rufus Wainwright, which we've talked about previously. Mm-hmm. The indie film song went to Coda's Beyond the Shore, which is performed by Amelia Jones, who also won for her performance of Both Sides Now from Joni Mitchell, so two HM. M.A.'s
0: for Coda. Yeah, and that's big news for Coda because Amelia Jones' song beat out uh, Jennifer Hudson, beat out Andrew Garfield, beat out all these performances in movies, Mm. Ariana Grande, and et cetera, et cetera. I can go down the list. Uh, That was a category we remarked at a couple weeks ago when we did the Oscar race checkpoint there. So could be big news for Coda. Coda might be getting more respect than we think. I don't know. I'm reading into things. Maybe it's confirmation bias, but I, I don't think people should sleep on Coda. I think that's a very crowd pleasing film again. Uh Michael, let's jump into the Critics Choice Documentary Awards. And we got a couple categories on documentaries. And let's be honest here. The CCDAs are part of the problem because. (laughs)
1: Inadvertently. Inadvertently. No, it's
0: not their fault. They they agree with us. I agree with them every year, but they need to help me more because in a (laughs) sixth sense of reverse psychology, the big winner. Of these CCDAs, Critics' Choice Documentary Awards, the big winner is completely snubbed at the Oscars every year. So we agreed when Jane won. We agreed when Won't You Be My Neighbor, Apollo 11, and mm-hmm. Dick Johnson Is Dead when they each won this feature film award. I can't believe how many award. years
1: in a row this has been going on. <laughs> Four
0: years in a row. A curse on our heads. Hark! It's almost as if we killed a seabird Yeah. that so. these awards reverse on us. <laughs> So our apologies to Questlove, (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) because he seems to be the the punditry favorite and the inevitably most cursed of this year as Summer of Soul uh, won five choice doc awards, including Best Editing, First Doc, Archival Footage Doc, Music Doc, and the big prize on the night, Best Documentary Feature.
0: Oh, woe be gone. (laughs) (laughs) The chances For Summer of Soul. The Punditry Leader. One of our favorites of the year. And of course, it gets worse from there. Two of my favorites were also big winners. The Rescue uh, from uh, Nat Geo, also mom's favorite movie yes. of the year, by the way. Uh, best director, original sc- score, and cinematography. The Rescue won on the night. And then Val won two bi- best bio documentary uh, and uh, best narration for his son, Val Kilmer's son's narration, uh, along with himself for I, that movie. I can't believe how much work that you have I was going to
1: say we, but you have done specifically in the doc feature category for this year uh, just to end up knowing where to start. Why? This is going. What is wrong with me? Yeah. Well, uh, look, I mean, even if they hit it a 20% clip, right, they get one out of five. (laughs) That'll be this year. So maybe it'll do some good. Uh, Otherwise, as far as this show goes, Becoming Cousteau won Nature Doc. The Alpinist won Sports Doc. HBO's The Crime of the Century won Best Political Documentary. The Queen of Basketball won Best Documentary Short. And Introducing Selma Blair won Most Compelling Documentary Subject. Mike, you want to review a couple of these? Let's start
0: with The Queen of Basketball. Remarkable. I love documentaries about sports where you get that moment, that Michael Jordan moment like we just saw in uh, – Jesus, why, why the title's going by me. The Last Dance. The Last Dance, thank yeah. you, where he's just like – he gets to a point and it, you get the resounding music where he's like, I was just not going to let my team lose. Mm-hmm. And that was Lucy Harris-Stewart Harris, Harris Stewart at a certain point in this 20-minute just stand-on-your-feet-and-cheer kind of documentary here. Uh, I love the Queen of Basketball. Let's learn about her pioneering talents in women's hoops. She was on one of the uh, – she went to a program that didn't even have a team. They formed a team around her because she was so talented. She wow. wanted to go to that school. And just watching the – you know watching how she kind of built a following for her team for her school for that program burgeoning program and then of course you know how women's basketball caught on in this nation so the queen of basketball check it out it's like 20 minutes uh and then uh, yeah introducing Selma Blair
1: yeah, so introducing Selma Blair is the next one you wanted to recap. We've previewed it a bunch. Uh, Selma Blair, probably best known as the actress from Cruel Intentions, from Hellboy, those movies. Uh, she was recently in Mom and Dad with Nick Cage. What about she introducing awesome in Selma yeah. Blair?
0: She was awesome in Mom and Dad. I, I love that movie a lot uh, for for like an un, un, uh, underrated uh, horror film. Yeah, it was good. I, I watched it recently myself. It was good. Anyway, she's had quite the career, uh, especially from our perspective, on MMO, and now she's just going through this terrible situation Mm. where she had, like, this TMZ moment where she freaked out on an airplane, right, and it was embarrassing for her personally, but yeah, it it turns out she has MS, Mm. and that's why her nerve endings were going haywire during this moment where she drank too much on a plane, and... you know going from that moment and they recap it in a couple different ways to the heroism through her struggle that she puts on display here it's not it's not just this compelling subject it's not just a story about that it's about a person who's putting her struggles out there to inspire others to give others courage to give others with ms to give others who are caregivers for people with ms the courage to go about their daily lives and to get through all the, the the just downside of this disease and to, to hopefully give them coping mechanisms on how they can deal with it. This is an in-depth study and it's also something that she pulls off with charm with the constant theater kid show folk personality and charm that, that we, we, we enjoy with something like tick tick boom that we'll talk about in a minute. But she, puts on a show for us as often as she can during this documentary i can't believe her soldiering on through all of this pain through all of this chemotherapy through all of these uh treatments and trials and what she has to go through and she's still cracking jokes she's still dancing she's Mm. still talking about all her fashion choices and and you know talking to her fans on social media this guy's mowing his lawn for like two hours next door to me i can't believe this it's, like, it's been the whole show he's on, it's mowing his lawn. gosh darn it well how long it's just over sorry about that if you guys are hearing it, maybe just fell asleep on the lawnmower anyway gonna, introducing selma point. blair yeah i was gonna make the
1: point that this is I mean, it's such a layup for the Academy to do a couple of these things well. I mean, you have the doc with Val Kilmer, doc about Selma Blair. These are industry veterans as well, telling their stories and being so vulnerable and letting themselves be heard and putting themselves out there. Like, even if these aren't nominated necessarily, you could still have a moment where you're recognizing the strength and the the work they've done historically and all that. It's just it's such an easy thing to do for feel good moments and the right thing to do, quite
0: frankly. Yes, and I'm thrilled she had her moment there, introducing Selma, Selma Blair's coming to Discovery Plus. If uh, if she gets nominated for other things, it just draws more attention to to the plight, to the cause. It's it's one of those feel good stories about the industry that we don't often get in the documentary feature category. Right. Let's just say, right. usually when they shine a light on something, it's not in a positive light. So uh, <laughs> good on Selma Blair, and you know, for her courage. Just doing the project. How do you do this project? Yeah. How do you complete this project? No, good. Unbelievable. The all, resolve.
1: Good, all good points by you. Let's keep talking about going down this rabbit hole and talk about the
0: international documentary. Thank Association you, by the way. You're, you're, you're going through this for me and because of me, so I appreciate you. <laughs> <laughs> I have just you're going to lose your mind at some
1: point with all with all the work you've done in the Doc Feature category this year. And I just I wanna be around for it. I just want to see what <laughs> uh, Very
0: good. Case in point, this this award show coming up.
1: <laughs> the uh, the nominees for Best Feature at the International Documentary Association Awards, Fayadai, Flea, In the Same Breath, and Summer of Soul. We've talked about those four. We've previewed them. They're here. The other six, uh, stuff we haven't really mentioned yet. Nothing But the Sun... Jacinta, North by Current, Not Going Quietly, Wojnarowicz, my apologies if I mispronounced that, and Riding with Fire. Mike, you have reviewed two of those. You just watched a third.
0: Yeah, I did review Riding with Fire a few times. It's about female journalists in India and and their heroics on display. Uh, This came out of Sundance. This was something that left quite the impression on me because it's a patriarchal society still in india they don't even want these women to leave home never mind that you know becomes their sources in the politics and the watchdog uh responsibility that journalists have over there it's a burgeoning journalistic community number one so to see these women uh getting the job done is just uh, you know talk about real life heroes on camera so the access uh to to showcase their Careers, their burgeoning careers in that regard. Why am I say burgeoning so much this episode? But it's, it's a true. good word. It is a good word. Yeah. Anyway, Writing with Fire, a uh, higher grade from Sundance uh, for me. North by Current was a strong grade, and I gave it a strong review coming out of Tribeca. It draws a lot of light and a lot of necessary attention to the to the trans experience in this country. Uh, the subject of the film uh, is is dealing with a lot of identity issues, and he's very. Open to the fact that um, it, it, it's played on their family, and they they discuss it at length. It's also a murder mystery, which hmm. is not an easy tightrope to walk. So I, I give North by Current a lot of respect. Maybe he shot too much snowfall from the beautiful trees.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Got a little too
0: stylistic at times, but I you know points for ambition. I just watched a third of these though. Not going quietly. Not Going Quietly is about political activist, uh, a. D. Barkham, and he is has gone on a campaign to reform healthcare in this country over the last few years, and that's after Mike he comes down with Lou Gehrig's disease. Jeez. So, again, these documentary feature, uh, features are just drawing more attention on ourselves but like every time we come up against problems we got to shut the hell up and just (laughs) deal with them because all these people are going through so much worse and they're achieving so much more yeah oh but good 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 god the heroism on display with this man who can't even speak and he's given speeches to hundreds he's given speeches to congress and to the supreme court and uh, my god it's just so impressive especially after all the attempted cuts to medicare that would, you know, leave him and so many others without coverage. Uh this all happened in 2018. I won't spoil the film and I won't spoil uh, you know, all the the, the catharsis that that is found in this film. So Ugh. not going quietly. I believe it's coming to VOD. I didn't write down where it's coming on the streaming service. Hopefully, you know, it just makes some money on its own uh for a while though, too. My god, what a story good lord but this category Um, mike still i mean we're still getting new movies like i i I did put Jacinta on my watch list but i didn't think it was getting nominated for anything that's on hulu uh i didn't think nothing but the sun was gonna play her i saw the name before now i gotta go seek that one out but it's every single category you get a different 10 or 12 noms well we can wrap up and talk about uh another uh
1: which should be a precursor But well, what the Academy Will inevitably ignore Having to do with Documentary features uh, We have the best Non-fiction feature At the Cinema Eye Honors To talk about And a lot of these Are going to be Repeat names That we've already Mentioned in this segment Fayadai Flea And Summer of Soul They showed up there And they showed up At all three Doc Awards We've talked about today uh, Otherwise we have More common names That we've previewed Talked about and reviewed here Ascension The Rescue And the, Fel- the Velvet Underground Round out Six
0: at the cinema eye honors for documentary films right these six make more sense than anything else we covered so i wanted to bring that back to kind of a sense of normalcy for the doc feature category but i'd be lying good luck if i could admit <laughs> any sense of normalcy whatsoever because it's not coming into focus it's not we you know we'd be bsing you if we mm-hmm. said anything other other than that but michael and Jagged have... Little Pill from Alanis Morris <laughs> wins Best pill. Documentary feed. Yeah, Which would be fun. You know, yeah. We'll see. Ben, ben, uh, Bill Simmons or Ben Simmons, one of the two. <laughs> Michael, we do want to, want to focus on uh, a major review here today. We want to make the case for Tick, Tick, Boom, a movie we both saw in theaters coming from Netflix. That is on Netflix uh, the day of this recording, Friday Uh, the 19th so this is directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda it's written uh, from the stage play by Jonathan Larson of Rent Uh, the quote uh, from the movie I want to draw attention to at the beginning of this film is everything you're about to see is true except for the parts Jonathan made up which was (laughs) adorable and Mm -hmm. I, I just that's the thing about tick tick boom there's so much joy to be had there's so much fun to be had there's so again i don't know how your psyche's dealing with all these happy films lately my <laughs> well this one I, this one you know it is happy but there's a
1: undercurrent and an underbelly of not only stress and anxiety but but serious sadness and serious right. subject matter and and you know loss and and uh, disease and and just you know i guess maybe that's why i was more palatable with this film than I
0: there is a parade of sadness uh sequence to this film yes yeah. so you can you can enjoy that and your just your misery porn addicted heart uh you, you should watch mass then you'll love that you'll be I, best movie of the year for you and doubt you minx
1: You saucy minx. Uh, Let's talk about where Tick, Tick, Boom ranks in the Feinberg forecast. Currently, it sits at 7th for Best Picture, 12th in Director, 3rd in Lead Actor, 4th in Adapted Screenplay. It's been reviewed and received well. 87% currently on Rotten Tomatoes on 98 critic reviews, a 73 Metascore, 8.4 out of 10 on IMDb. That is extremely high, but I saw it was under 1,000 reviews last I checked. Uh, 94% audience score on Rotten Tomatoes. So, I went into this with, like, weird expectations because this had kind of come out of nowhere and the people that did get to this already were saying oh this is the greatest musical of all time garfield shines this is going to be an awards player for sure blah 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 so having usually especially a movie from a major studio like netflix you don't get the absolutely out of nowhere picture that just comes and obliterates the oscars race so i was skeptical about those reviews this is a very good movie i think i don't know that it's great but it's very, very good. I thought Garfield was wonderful. I don't think it's his best performance of the year. I still think that's what he did in the eyes of Tammy Faye.
0: Right. This is a roller coaster of emotions for us on Tick, Tick, Boom, because we expected nothing because it mm-hmm. was just going to drop at AFI and then come out a week later. Right. And we were like, all right, they're really not marketing Tick, Tick, right. Boom the way you would think, you know. I mean, certainly Oscar not to the level of Don't marketing. Look Up,
1: certainly not to the level of Power of the Dog, you know.
0: Right. And you're saying, you know, I agree with you. Andrew Garfield was also, I think, going into the season, someone we had more attention paid to in regarding to his Eyes of Tammy Faye performance. So I'm, I was wondering where he would land at the end of the day. We're looking at how loaded Best Actor is, and to see him now on Scott Feinberg's recent and his most, he just released it this morning. He's third in lead actor, Mm. so he's a major contender here. And the raves have been coming fast and furious for tick, tick, boom. I probably agree with you to, to, to a degree where I'm a bit more measured, but I, I'm a little higher on tick, tick, boom than you are. It seems. I just think the goods are here to be delivered. And I, I think when it's harder to deliver those goods, I mean, we've seen so many other musicals just kind of struggle or kind of disappoint this year this year alone never mind yeah going all the way back so i i really am i'm dismayed that we don't have more award shows with comedy or musical nominees and with drama nominees that will actually play it straight there because you could have quite you know the the pair of categories melding into one and Mm -hmm. that battle royale has got to play out at the end of it and i don't think we're gonna get that necessarily we could try and force it with the uh, they who shall not be named, golden whatevers. I wish, but I wish, that,
1: but I wish that, you know every award show wants to take themselves as the end all. And that if they would just submit to being a setup to the Oscars, then it would totally make sense for them to do that to split right. the categories. And ha- you know, it just makes more sense. And you could have that big crescendo on Oscars Sunday. But it, that's that's I don't not think how we're, it is.
0: Yeah. No. It's I not it's not you. going that direction yeah. unfortunately the critics choice almost have too many uh, categories in that regard and yeah no it doesn't work and it, and it's a shame because I would love see love to see Andrew Garfield like win mm. you know his side of the bracket and then right. you know you go he goes against Will Smith and, and he then is he going to knock out another nominee or right. whatever I mean that that that's fascinating to me in a, in another year in a past life I don't think we're going to get that this year. So it's fun to see Andrew Garfield getting the buzz he's getting. I, I enjoyed his performance to a degree. I will say this: this is a, I mean, he he has a bizarre performance as Jim Baker, though. Like so I don't see the Academy recognizing his Jim Baker performance. So I just I do don't think, think enough
1: people saw that movie. Quite. Frankly. I don't I think. St- I still saw don't it. think Jessica Chastain gets in. I stand by that. I, I mean, I know I got. I took a, has him.
0: I took a beating her? for that. Has on him? Twitter. Yeah. Feinberg has these guys out of their fives, and yeah, Chastain is on a lot of punditry lists as best of the year, and I I loved her performance in Tammy Faye. I don't know how we're, I guess we're reviewing Tammy Faye right now again, I just watched it. (laughs) You just just watched it. I was like, don't give me the Spider-Man trailer. I'm watching Tammy Faye. (laughs) I loved her performance in Tammy Faye. I thought it was phenomenal, and again, weird, a weird performance. She's acting behind that. That, Mm -hmm. you know, prosthetic chin, and he's acting behind all that goofy George Bush impersonation makeup, you know, uh, it almost like Dana Carvey impression of Jim Baker that Dana Carvey infused in his not going to kind of uh, (laughs) George HW there. I I just saw that movie. It left an impression on me. I thought it was strong. uh, The eyes of Tammy Faye. I don't think it's quite the composition that Tick-Tick-Boom is. So, like, Tick-Tick-Boom is going to get the Garfield attention, I think. I I agree with everything,
1: uh, your summation there, for sure. I also agree that I'll probably just never be satisfied as a critic or a pundit because my biggest complaint about (laughs) Belfast, I know you don't agree with it and basically nobody else but say for three or four people on film Twitter, agree with me. But I thought there was no dramatic tension in Belfast. And here, I think there's nothing but dramatic tension. And it's maybe too much because Garfield's John Larson character is crying in basically every scene. And it's like, it's just a
0: lot. If I, 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 I'm tempted to go on a Belfast rabbit hole again. I'm not going to do it. We disagreed. We go listen to our last episode. We got 80 minutes for you guys where we debate. Belfast, and if I spent all the time addressing you, we'd get nowhere. We'd just go in circles. No, I I, look, we're, we're on the record for Belfast, and I get where you're coming from, I think. Perhaps, maybe not. I won't agree. But yeah. I think there's a lot of Andrew Garfield in this performance. Yeah. There's a lot of Andrew Garfielding in Tick, Tick, Boom. It's over the top, which I was not expecting. Like, he's projecting to the last row of a musical theater. Did you think it was too much? On camera. Well, yeah, it's too much. Yeah, it's too much in many a scene. It's totally too much. It's not something we see... We see nominated at the Oscars that often, right. and when we see a musical performance nominated, it's more like Hugh Jackman, and you get the close-ups, and he's very subtle, and yeah, I mean it's up his nose, and good personal hygiene grooming uh, uh, habits from Mr. Jackman. <laughs> anyway, no, we don't get we don't get the huge facial expressions nominated that often on the Oscars stage. From a musical, so that's why I'm a little surprised that people love this performance as much. But it's a joyful, yeah, joyful character. I mean, he's got so much dramatic execution in here on the side of all his big, you know, songs. I mean, he's he's playing. I mean, he's showcasing his talents to such a degree that I had no idea he was such a song and dance man. But and he's showcasing it, and he's nailing every every note of this movie, and then we just. We love this character. There's a bias in Hollywood and on Broadway and New York and L.A. to Jonathan Larson. We love him. We mm. want to pay tribute to him. And the fact that Lin-Manuel Miranda's doing it, it's almost pandering to us, all right. of us. So you get that, plus you capture the portrayal of a struggling artist that we've all lived through at one point, time or another, and it's just, just crazy relatable. And never mind the fact that you have the – you know, best friend age storyline going mm-hmm. on here. I mean, that that everybody just you know cries over to this day back in the nineteen nineties. So I was confused, Mike, on what this movie was. I thought it was some. I thought it was Lin Manuel's coming of age story. I didn't. I had no idea this was Jonathan Larson of Rent. I'm an idiot. So if you go back and listen to any one of our previews of Tick Tick Boom, now you will get them. <laughs> make fun of me for it yeah
1: fine i agree uh with your sentiment that this definitely is a musical with like heft i don't i don't know i I think if i were to to promote it for anything like my biggest above the line oscars category or big six oscars category i would campaign most for is probably adapted screenplay right but i still don't know if this has enough if the story is tight enough to to bring it up to that kind of oscars relevancy like i don't feel this is like the success that Chicago had when it was brought to the screen in 02. I think it's closer than like something like In the Heights was. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I I think it's between those two in terms of musicals that have been adapted to the screen. I think pacing in this is a major issue at points. I did get bored sometimes and I did expect this movie to end like two to three times prior to the ending we actually did end up getting. Um, but like you said, there's a lot to this. It's, it's a good story. It's a fun time at the movies. There's some really great songs in it. It's a story that does completely envelope you at times. And it's easy to,
0: you get immersed in this world quite easily. The plot has to catch up during act two, to the feelings and to the conflict beats that we get in a, in a repetitive way. Again, you get you get lost in act two a little bit, but it's kind of the criticisms of, you know, the funny criticisms of Bradley Wh- R- Whitford and Richard Kind. I'll, I'll hold back on who they are mm-hmm. in this movie, but mm-hmm. like that is built in in a meta way to this story of Jonathan Larson. So he gets a little indulgent. Right. And it's almost That's the a point. point. It's good almost point. the point of some of these great songs. Like the music is so great that you, you forgive the indulgences throughout the middle of this story so you yeah they're hammering home a couple of the same conflict beats i would say for the susan character uh for perhaps for his writer's block but again that's kind of the the point of writer's block it's kind of the point of his neglect for his his love interest in this movie that we, we he neglects them for a little while during the plot so I forgive it a little bit. I I would agree. I think the adapted screenplay is very strong and I love the games it's playing. And again, I think the the music is so good and the the sequences just are so, they they just nail them. Like Lin-Manuel Miranda nails them. There's a, there's a song in here, the Sunday diner song that just had me in tears and had everybody in the audience that I was in clapping at six o'clock on a Tuesday clapping just just literally applause standing up and clapping i look back and we we smiled at each other uh this group of like four or five people and, and me in, in the front <laughs> I, it was a nice moment it really was a nice moment to to, to 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 share with people again cinematic experience everybody so the highs are very high for tick tick boom and that wonder, wonderful song in the middle is worth the price of admission, and then you get so much more. So I I kind of watch rewatched some of it very early this morning. It still delivers. Yeah, I I think this is a strong player. I, I'm glad to see a strong movie on Netflix, uh, and and these Netflix you know the deep bench that Netflix had. A lot of these movies are coming through.
1: And it makes sense that this one would find success. I mean, we talk all the time about the Academy Love and how certain people love the genre of movies that are about the making of movies. Like, why wouldn't theater kids and Broadway fans? and Definitely. Why wouldn't they love the musical that's about the making of a musical? It makes total sense. I don't know that I'm, I share the exuberance that some people on Twitter and some critics have had for this, but I am certainly won over by multiple aspects of this film. I think it does overcome its cliché, but there are a ton of clichés for it to overcome um there's a lot it's a lot of movie it's a lot of musical it's a lot of movie going on here um i'm an 84b i don't know that it's the oscars player that a lot of people think it is but i do want to give a shout out robin de jesus should be in the supporting actor conversation
0: i think oh he's great yeah he in a wide open category he should be all over this he's got some huge scenes too agree yeah on top of his musical talent that is fully on display Mm -hmm. i mean he's crushing several songs uh, I also want to put the you know industry on notice about Alexandra Ship. Yeah, I mean, she's got she carries the movie with her big song, mm-hmm. and she's got some terrific scenes opposite Andrew Garfield there. So, yeah, Alexandra Ship, Robin DeJesus, DeJesus, excuse me. I I think typically a younger actor actress bursting onto the scene, they do get ignored for the yeah, of course Kieran Hines for the Judy Dench for the. You know, type type of performance. How about that, the fact uh, that
1: there was way more attention in, in this movie about how to move and if you had to move from your homeland than there was about Belfast, which was a movie about if you had to move from disagree. your homeland. I just want to throw
0: that out there. <laughs> disagree. Uh, but I'm ultimately <laughs> a little higher on this one. B plus 88. So a four point curve for you and I on this one, Mike. Go. We we also both both watched Passing. Getting to this one a little late, even though we reviewed this six months ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, after Sundance, there I was one of the few movies that I could, you know, soberly actually review after Sundance. <laughs> Even though I'll be honest with you, this was later in the day. I probably, was, you know, I had a case of Bud Light. I don't you know were wasted
1: watching *Passing*, is what you're. I was, <laughs> <laughs> I was ripped.
0: I love to fight that Skarsgård guy. I love this beautiful cinematography, <laughs> black and white. Uh, Ruth Negga really strong again i'm glad to see her performance stack up and she's just so charming everybody is in love with everybody else in this movie that's Mm -hmm. the subtext which is so juicy it's so like i i i was drawn to this rewatch like a magnet i wanted to watch it just me in front of my laptop kind of half ass paying attention because why because i already gave it a good review Mm -hmm. and i'm just arrogantly i don't want to you know, invest in it a second time. But here I am, just like a tractor being. I mean, this script is incredible by Rebecca Hall adapting this novel, which is I'm like a half hour into the three hour audiobook. It's a it's a novella, uh, and 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 she adapted it, and she brought in a lot of her own experience with her. You know, you said her this story is like basically her a Rebecca Hall uh, fam- familial biopic. She has her grandmother actually had to deal with this. She's adapting, yeah. She's adapting the literature, but she's, yeah, she's got the uh, attraction to the story because her grandmother, I believe, passed uh, for for white and crazy. It, yeah, 1920s. We have just. Beautifully on display. I mean, the, for for such a sh- small budget, forrest Whitaker, Andrew Gar- uh, Morgan of the Nomcast, he just uh, reviewed this movie in a full episode. He just reviewed Tick Tick Boom in a full bonus episode. So these two movies, uh, good timing. If you want more, if you if you want to hear more review, more in depth review, sure. make sure you go to the Nomcast there. But the fact that Rebecca Hall has the personal investment into the storyline. And that she fought tooth and nail to get this movie made. I, I'm just, uh, I'm thrilled. I'm that's
1: thrilled. her directorial debut, no less, to, to kind of have it. And this is, again, Netflix has become the, the hub of passion projects and letting, you, letting the directors tell the stories they want to tell. And sometimes you end up with the Irishman, and, but sometimes you end up with something like Passing, you know. And not, that's not a slight to the Irishman. It's just to say that it's they let the storytellers tell all of the story they want to tell.
0: I tell you, Netflix could operate as this huge conglomerate, as this giant power, as this you know, evil overlord, and sometimes we're even tempted to characterize them in mm. such a way, but they are a patron of the arts. Yeah, they like the art on, house. On the ground, they're a patron of the little art shows and the, sure. the smaller award shows, again in a financial way in a huge way like the Gothams we're going to we're going to review the Gothams in two weeks and and Netflix is like their number one sponsor keeping their doors open Mm -hmm. and Netflix here making sure that uh, Rebecca Hall has the money to make this film that uh, Forrest Whitaker and so many people wanted to make sure happened and there are producers on this so I, I'm just thrilled that this movie worked in terms of the rewatch. I don't remember the Sundance cut that well again for <laughs> mitigating circumstances and whatnot, uh, but it did seem like an efficient story, much more efficient upon uh, rewatch. So now I'm saying, I'm saying to myself, watching this movie, I'm like or uh, 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 adapted screenplay should be more of a factor here. Yeah. And Ruth Negga should certainly be yes. a factor. And I knew costumes and cinematography were in everybody's tens. Can they get into the fives? We shall see. So passing, not just a fringe contender. I do think it's a legit contender for some Oscars. Maybe it's best days four, but I do think, yeah, passing is a contender. B plus 87 on a... On a boost for me in terms of my grade. Good, glad to hear that. I'm, I'm I'm with you in terms, certainly in terms of the the screenplay, and
1: certainly in terms of Ruth Nega. Should should best portrayal of an asshole be a new Oscars category? Because <laughs> Alexander Skarsgård is just a yeah. dick. He's the perfect
0: dick. <laughs> There's always a Skarsgård, you know, putting his dick in the punch bowl. No, that's 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 a phrase that I invented. That's just crass. But he
1: ain't and like he's so true. good at playing this just. Uh, there's not he's an asshole like yes, <laughs> big little lies at it. He, yeah he's, he's great so at, I'm at sure at he's
0: a sweetheart right, in real exactly. life.
1: and by the way he might have the greatest IMDb profile picture of anyone because it's, it's him it's him on a red carpet with no pants and a tuxedo <laughs> It's pretty
0: funny. I don't know why he did it, but there was some, there was a tweet. I forget who said it. I don't know if it was Eric Anderson giving you credit, Eric, for for uh, maybe it's true, maybe it's not. But he's like, if he ever changes his profile picture, I will abandon him. <laughs> because <laughs> they love this profile pic so much so good 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 for uh mr scars guard and he's got to do something because we, otherwise we would hate him exactly i wonder if anywhere. that's part of it
1: i genuinely wonder if his team was like look you're really good at playing these disgusting characters yeah so <laughs> maybe convincing. show up to this red carpet without pants
0: you better be goofy <laughs> in your profile pics otherwise everybody's gonna loathe you on site exactly. I do wonder about that. Um, all
1: right. Well, there you go—a loaded Oscar race checkpoint for uh, your listening pleasure. There, as always, dear listener, what matters most to Mike and myself is your thoughts. What did you think about any of the four big trailers? Any of the two reviews for the Netflix features that we ended the episode with? And certainly, do you have any? Uh, uh, do you have any words of wisdom or words of comfort for the inevitable and forthcoming mental breakdown that Mike is sure to have over the doc feature category? Uh, we want. To know all that, as well as any other thoughts, comments, questions, or concerns you may have about anything we do here in the MMO Empire, you can leave us all of those on any of our social medias. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar on both Facebook and Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com, and on Reddit. We are available wherever you hear podcasts. And if you're listening to us on the Apple Podcast app, if you appreciate what we do, if you could take 10 seconds out of your day to leave us a five star review, that would truly make our entire day. We will not be able to thank you enough. And thank you to all of you who have done so. So thus far, uh, Michael, we are nowhere near done. The hits keep on coming. Tell the good people what's coming next from Ux. And let, I, I think I just butchered the word us after all those words in a row I spoke. So good for <laughs> me there. But let everyone know some words of wisdom to go out on as well.
0: Ust. Or est. <laughs> is that the Latin? I think I put an X in the middle. It was like ux. Uxt. Mm. Interesting. Uh, King Richard is uh, next up for us. We have uh, House of Gucci. We have an Oscar race checkpoint after the Gothams, where we may also review on Kanto. We have The Power of the Dog with a special guest. Mm. We have a lot going on uh, in, in late November here. We got a lot going on in December with Spider Man No. Uh, No Way Home and uh, Nightmare Alley and West Side Story and all these big contenders yet to drop going all the way through the Christmas holiday and Don't Look Up, which we may get to earlier, I I hope. I think we will uh, with the Netflix theatrical release schedule like we did here with Tick, Tick, Boom. So that would be very cool. Uh, I think words of wisdom are very clear to me right now, Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, I will share them with you all. I think it's very important And wise that you fall in love with not just five documentaries, but 20, and maybe 25, maybe 30, maybe 60, so that this documentary feature Academy branch cannot break your heart. They can't pick the wrong movie because you'll love four out of their five nominations no matter what. So that's where I'm at. I can't wait to watch you break. (laughs) No, but how could they? At this point, I love so many. There's literally 20 movies this year that I'm in in for. Maybe they'll just nominate and we'll give it to my octopus teacher again. (laughs) just out of spite for you there's a couple spoil like ascension and still saying ascension you know i can list a couple that was like "Ah, i'd rather not but they they really can't screw with me this year i don't know i have a bunch of favorites they just close the category
1: they just don't give it out just haha (laughs) never mind that would be a rough break
0: that would be a rough break we're gonna spin off into the you know crap night for the that that's how they would do it yeah When reality sucks, you can come get ready
1: for the Oscars with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make award season year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you all
0: very soon. See ya.